Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning and welcome. Happy Sunday. I'm Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group and host of Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by EIG. You know, all you have to do these days is turn on the news or open the newspaper or tune into social media to hear about some negative issue or tragedy that involves the younger generation in our community in some way. It could be abuse, either physical or emotional. It could be mental health challenges, addictions, bullying. The list can go on and on. And kids today are struggling. And in some cases, they're suffering in ways that may not be seen or heard. Listen to some of these statistics. 25% of kids between ages 13 and 18 were diagnosed with anxiety disorders. One in six students indicated they engaged in self-harm, and one in four of those uh, refer to females. There's a 28% increase in the U.S. suicide rate. In fact, according to the World Health Organization, 300 million people globally suffer from depression, and every 40 seconds someone commits suicide somewhere in the world. The suicide rate in kids aged 10 to 24 soared to 56% between the years of 2007 and 2017. 12% of students feel unsafe at school, and it's reported that by the time a female reaches 12th grade, almost 13% have been raped and 19% experienced some form of sexual violence. 11% of students reported unauthorized use of medications. Now, a number of these statistics were gotten from the 2017 Wisconsin Youth Risk Behavioral Survey. Identifying the problem is is the first step in a process of turning some of these statistics around, and then finding solutions to the problem is the next step. We need to figure out a way to help our next generation with whatever it is they struggle with so they can live happy, productive, meaningful lives. We need to set them up for success and help them identify and embrace a healthy definition of success. Support is key to intervention on behalf of the kids struggling today, so we're going to talk with two nonprofit organizations that offer support in different ways. My first guest today is Brooke Talbot, Executive Director of RedGen, a Milwaukee-based youth mental health and wellness advocacy nonprofit. Welcome to the show today, Brooke. Thank you, and thank you for having us as your guest and um, bringing our organization to uh, your community. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, I understand that RedGen stands for resiliency, education, and determined to make a difference in the health of a new generation. And it was founded in response to several youth suicides on the north side. Can you tell us more about that? I sure can. We started in, after the summer of 2013 when there were a, number, a few suicides um, in the area. There was also some drug overdose deaths. Um, and a few of those were of kids. So there was a, there was a high number percentage-wise, but a few of them were kids. Um, but also there were, there were some dads. And so our youth were just really reeling and struggling. And um, one of the, the um, young women who died by suicide that summer's name was Abby Goldberg. And Abby was your straight-A student. She was a state swimmer. She was beautiful. She had tons of friends, amazing family, two older siblings, just um you know, who you would think had it all. And Abby lived in Shorewood. And so her suicide really was shocking to the community because no one saw it coming. Mm. Um, she did struggle with some mental health, but it was short. And her um, 
her su- her death by suicide came really quickly after her struggles began. And so it was just really a shock. Um, her f- parents are um, were really um, in the space where they just wanted to do something. Yeah. And so, uh, and her friends and her, the families who were surrounding them. And so they really kind of came together and a group started meeting regularly saying something needs to be different. We need to support our youth better. Something needs to change. And that's really the, the origins of Red Gen. As they kept meeting, they realized they would, they really felt that there was a lot of things that kids were struggling with. And obviously death by suicide is the worst case scenario. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, but we know for every one suicide attempt that's completed, there are, likely a hundred to two hundred other attempts that are unsuccessful. Mm. So that's, that's so just, sad. Yeah. So sad. But it makes you realize how many kids are really struggling. Yeah. And so, um, that's how Red Gen kind of formed. And it, then it, it was really organic as far as the people who were coming to these meetings, they kind of fell into groups. So there was people from the faith community. There were people from schools. And there were people who were like health professionals and community members. And so Red Gen really formed out of that space as far as our three areas that we still work in are around schools, um, faith communities, and then community health. Okay. Well, obviously, listening to the statistics that I was uh, sharing at the beginning, obviously, there's something that needs to be done, you know, some changes that need to be made. Um, But how then did you step into the role of executive director? So I came on board about maybe nine months after Red Gen started. I attended some of their events, and the topics were really interesting to me. I had young kids at the time and also have a history of mental health in my family. And I really understand from the perspective of a family unit, how mental health is not a a person issue. It is a family systems issue. And um, I was raised in a house with my mom was had depression. And so I've lived how it impacts a family. So out of that personal experience and then raising kids in this day and age, which is such a different, you know, sphere. Yeah. um, Different from when we were that age. Absolutely. And so I was kind of drawn in just by a very, um, passion, a personal passion of my own. And, um, I'd worked in schools. My background was in teaching. And so I attended a Red Gen board meeting. And at that time, their people from their schools group had just stepped down and they said, Hey, would you want to be a director of our schools group? And I prayed on it and I just felt God was leading me into that space. And so I said, sure. And so that's where I started. I was, and Red Gen was all volunteer at the time. And really, Red Gen had stayed almost all volunteer until just this past summer. And so I went from director of schools group into creating, uh, starting our student chapters. And this summer, um, we had some funding come our way and um, n- realized that we needed more of a, a sustainable structure. Okay. And so I was hired on uh, just as of September 1st as the executive director. Okay. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. You're in a, in a role that fits you well. I, well, there are a number of organizations that focus on mental health. Obviously, we've interviewed a number of them on this show. In fact, why do we need RedGen? Yeah, so that's a good question. I agree. There, there are a lot of organizations focused on mental health. We have a lot of organizations focused on a lot of the things that scare us most for our youth, right? So things like um, anxiety, depression, cutting. You were talking earlier about relationships, unhealthy relationships, abuse, bullying. Yeah, that's so a we, big one too. Yeah, yeah, we have all these organizations that are really doing great jobs at, at on these issues. Um, what Regen, what kind of sets us apart into a different sphere is that we, our passion is really around resiliency, which is really around prevention. 
Okay. So um, we do a lot of work in this crisis management area, but we all, but our our really our roots and our our um, space that we that we are most comfortable in is in that prevention piece. So um, looking at what can because a lot of those things that we fear most they're they're all rooted in very similar spaces as far as um, being well, being mentally healthy, and um, then the other thing that is kind of where we well, why we've landed there is because our healthcare system, the way it's set up in general, is it's a deficit system. So if we don't really go to the doctor much, and especially for mental health, until we're sick, mm-hmm. and often with mental health, it's we're really sick before we seek help. And so the idea is that if we can put more energy into the space of of being not even neutral, but thriving and being well, that when we that when we do have by you know the nature of our world and the brokenness that we 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 will we our health ebbs and flows, but if we're if we're thriving when it when it ebbs, we don't go so far deficit. Sure. So that's kind of the space that Red Gen holds is in that space of let's look at how we can thrive and be well. Um, so when when we do um, ebb in our health, that it, we don't go into deficit. So more proactive than reactive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's usually a multi-pronged approach to dealing with youth challenges in the country. And RedGen has some really great ideas for engaging the youth in our community, focusing on topics related to education, wellness, resiliency, and mental health awareness, as Brooks just shared with us. So stay tuned to hear what they're doing and how they're doing it. We'll be back in a moment. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG. Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking today with Brooke Talbot from RedGen. Uh, solutions to youth challenges, they can go in a whole host of different directions, right? Um, what are some ways that RedGen offers education and support to young kids today? Give us some, give us some details. Yeah. So, um, We don't do a lot of direct service. So we don't do therapy with kids or we don't provide a lot of direct service to youth. What we really try to do is work with the systems that are already created. So we go into faith congregations, we go into schools, we work with within the community, and we try to educate and advocate, and and support the people who are already working with the with the youth. So, um, for example, one of the things that we have done is we have created our. Um, well, let's first talk about about advocacy in general, because advocacy really is just heightening the awareness. And yeah. there's so much work to be done in the field of mental health. Yeah, that's where it starts, really. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's it's really it's it's breaking down the fear around around mental health um you know we have no problem talking about physical health you know we expect we talk about all the time my knee my knee hurts i Mm -hmm. I have a cold i have this i have that there's no shame in that we all feel like we're kind of on the same playing field for some reason with mental health we there's there's this there's this fear involved there's this shame involved about like "Mm, i could be stronger i could do something different therefore it's my fault i mean there's a variety of reasons around stigma but the more that we educate and advocate um the the more that stigma breaks down sure and so that's a huge part of what we do is bringing in we bring in um, national level speakers to speak on topics around youth mental health um, around resiliency around parenting to the students as well as the adults so we do students and the parents so we do both yes okay um 
And then we also do um, suicide prevention training. So we think that's really important part of our work is, and that is usually, well, that can be, we do that to, th- I mean, we've done that to Boy Scout leaders, to Kiwanis clubs, to a lot of students in health clubs at different schools. Um, we do that to a lot of school staff, church congregations. Um, and um, suicide prevention, the one that we do is called QPR, Question, Persuade, Refer. And that's really just giving people the tools that if somebody is in crisis in their in their life, that you, you can walk up and um, and be that person of support to get them to the resources they need. It's very similar to CPR. So oh, CPR, okay. right? You're not a doctor, but mm-hmm. you're trained enough to get them to the doctor. Right. And that's right. same with QPR. You're trained enough to get them to the resources that they need. And I think it's important. You shared with me a TED talk. Um, uh, about a uh, physician or a, a mental health professional in Z- uh, Zimbabwe, I believe it was, um, talking about the idea of um, grandmothers mm-hmm. offering support, you know, just lending an ear, being an advocate, being a supporter, being an encourager. Uh, and what's, do you happen to know what the, do you remember the address of that um, that TED Talk? Um, and you could probably just Google it, um, so yeah, it is um, Dixon, C H I B A N D A. Why I train grandmothers to treat depression. Yeah. So if you Google why do I train grandmothers to treat depression, um, why do I train grandmothers to treat depression? I think if you Google that, you'll be able to come up with the TED Talk. It really is fantastic talking again about just an everyday person being trained to be able to help and how, because they have limited resources, right? In right. Africa. Yeah. Which and we do here as well. <laughs> true. True that, right? Um, but it's a, it's a way for, um, you know, who doesn't want to sit down on a park bench and, li- and talk to grandma? You know, right. that's kind of the idea. And yeah. it just has spread uh, to certain parts of Africa and the statistics behind it in terms of how effective it's been are remarkable. I would encourage uh, our listeners to go check that out. Um, so, You've got something also called student chapters, and you were heading those up before. What is that? Right. So that is one of the areas that that we really have put a lot of our energy into is creating student chapters. And what they are is peer-to-peer mentoring um, advocacy groups within the schools. So we have um, we have about 17 chapters throughout southeast Wisconsin in middle schools and high schools. And these are kids who gather weekly under the advice of, of um, two uh, staff members at each school. And so their, their, their mission is very similar to ours. It's to advocate for youth mental health and wellness within their school community. We, we don't know what the life of a teenager in, in this day and age. We, you know, we can put our ideas on there as oh, adults, right. yeah. but we really don't know. It is so different. Yeah. We don't we, live it day We to don't. Day. Yeah. And the pressures that they feel are real. Even though, and maybe as an adult, we're thinking that's not even that big of a deal. But in their mind, it, it's real. Yeah. And so, our our goal is to really tap into those students and understand um, what their what their needs are from their perspective, and then provide the support in um, their school. So there, we use a curriculum called the Teen Compass, and it's from Holly and Scott Stoner. Um, they have a foundation called um, Fam- Fam- um, Samaritan Family Wellness. And they've created this curriculum, and they're very generous with it, and they've let us use it as much as we would like. So we have pulled uh, um, the compass, um, the teen wellness compass, from there as our curriculum. Okay. So each month, the school, the students focus on an area of wellness. 
And so it might be stress resilience. It might be healthy relationships. It might be emotions. Um, and they, the first week they meet, they meet, they learn a little bit about what that means. Because what we learned is that the, kid, the students were coming to the group with whatever their life experience wellness is. And that usually was around physical health. Well, our, there's a whole person, a whole person around wellness. And so we give the first week, they do a little bit about education. And these are student-led. So the students lead, um, lead these discussions around what wellness is. There's a video they watch. There's an re- assessment that they do, a little wellness inventory. And then they discuss. We know that resilience comes out of relationships and communication and talking and um, sharing. And so then they discuss, what does this mean in our school? The next time they meet, they say, okay, now what, how can we bring this message that we learned about into our school community? So one of the areas is, um, and then the next two weeks, they just work on those activities that they are bringing out to the community. So one of um, the areas is rest and play and valuing rest and play that we don't always have to be busy. Oh, <laughs> that, doesn't, <yeah. laughs> that doesn't actually make us well. Um, and so one of the schools, uh, our, our Shorewood group, they went to their administration and say, hey, we want to have an hour um, on this day of the week, this Friday, whatever it may be, that the entire school shuts down and everyone has to rest and play. And so the administration said, great, go for it. And so they had a Regen sponsored recess, all oh, school fun. recess. The, okay. staff had a, the staff had a shutdown, the administration, everybody. And they had ping pong tables in the front lawn and they opened the pool and they opened the art room and everyone had to just engage with the other and play. And so now they've made that into a, a twice a year, once a semester, they have an all-school recess. And so, you know, those, that's just an example of some of the things that they do. But in, in each school, they, the students in that group decide what their school needs around this topic of wellness. And that peer-to-peer um, piece, I think, is, is key. Yes. You know, being able to talk with another uh, a friend or a new friend about some challenges you're going through. I imagine there it's very different than a mentorship relationship, you know, peer to peer versus an adult with a, with a child. Um, you know, you've, you've talked a lot about some of the different things that you offer. I'm curious, is this just in Southeastern Wisconsin? Is it all over the state? Yeah. So if right now we are located in just Southeast Wisconsin, okay, we are, um, we're still located in the North shore, although we serve schools, um, around the Southeast, Southeast Wisconsin. Um, our goal, our goal is to expand right now. We're, we're, we're working on being sustainable, kind of getting our roots deep so then we can grow out. Okay. Well, you, you've recently gone through a significant transition, right? So tell us, tell us about that and how that positions you moving forward. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, up until this point, we have almost solely been volunteers. And with that, the, um, we, 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 the growth was difficult. So um, this summer, we were, we were given a gift, a financial gift. And with that, we were able to kind of separate our board. Our board before was a working board. So we were able to separate our board and our staff and hire myself as the executive director. And so we have a staff now, um, which has just been really exciting because we're just in this really fun time of the, the possibilities are endless. Sure. We now have manpower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um, it's been a really, a really exciting time. So yeah, so growth is definitely um, in our future. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, and I'm wondering, as you're talking about that, if this is duplicatable, you know, if, if once you guys get everything, I mean, you've been doing so many different things, but maybe get to the point where other schools can say, you know, I think we want to 
implement something like this in our area, whether that's different parts of the state or nationwide. That would be interesting to see where things go. Um, If our listeners can take away one thing that they can do to support the youth in their life, what what would you recommend that would be? You know, I think um, we can make things really complicated, but I think if there's one thing we can do, it's to um, focus on building relationships with our youth, to listen without judgment, and just to accept them for who they are. Our youth are dying to be accepted for who they are and to be loved for who they are. And it's easy to find the things that that we that as as adults that we struggle with, right? But um, I think that if 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 we can, um, if when our youth feel loved and and um, accepted for who they are, then they can start growing into the adults. You know, they're going to make mistakes. Our youth, they're actually supposed to. That's a huge part of the process. Right. right. But when they know they have a soft space to land, and it can just be one person in their life, and so anybody can be that one person. Well, well said. Very good. Thank you for being here today, Brooke. We talked a lot about on a whole uh, bunch of different things. Um, and a big standout to me is the importance of young kids having a mentor, you know, someone to help them when life gets tough, right? Thank yeah. you for being here today. Um, our young kids, again, uh, important to need uh, to have somebody there that uh, to to help them, to help them when life gets tough, someone to cheer them on, encourage them to strive and thrive, if you will. Stay tuned to hear from our next nonprofit guest who believes that all girls are born with power and purpose and who strives to help our next generation of leaders thrive. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest today is Tina Jones, Executive Director from Girls on the Run, a nonprofit that inspires girls to reach their limitless potential, not just for the length of their program, but for life. Girls on the Run is a national organization with over 200 council locations, and Tina is representing the Wisconsin chapter. Welcome to the show today, Tina. Thank you, Jill, for having me and uh, having Girls on the Run here to talk to your group of people. We are really, really grateful to be here, and thank you for your support. You are absolutely welcome, and we're excited to learn more. I understand that you've impacted over 1.5 million girls nationwide. Statistics show that 85% of girls in your program improved in what you call the five C's, confidence, caring, competence, character development, and connection to others. 97% of the girls said they learned critical life skills, including resolving conflict, helping others, or making intentional decisions. Now, these are all awesome skills that'll serve them well now as well as into their adult years. And the physical component is just a small piece of that, right? You're helping these girls focus on the importance between connecting the mind and the body. Um, these statistics obviously resonated with you. Um, how did you get involved with Girls on the Run? Yes, you know, um, really, Jill, my why as to how I got involved is I had been an athlete my entire life. And as an athlete, I was supported by my family. I was supported by my friends. I was supported by coaches in my life that helped me succeed. And what this experience did is it helped build out my la- real, true, lasting relationships for me. 
It taught me about endurance and hard work and how physical activity can help reduce your mental stress. It can help you feel better with your body. Um, Like I said, I was amongst friends and I had a support system in the gym that really taught me about how important it is to support each other. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're having a bad day, you have your group of people that you come in and you talk about your problems and you're going to feel better at the end of the day. And I, um, I had this in my life growing up, that support system. I had this physical activity and drive and I learned how I just felt better. And when I learned about this and then heard about Girls on the Run and what this program was doing for these young girls in building confidence and helping them learn about healthy eating and active lifestyle and teaching them about what it means to build friendships and people that support you and want to be around you, I thought, well, this is exactly how I've been living my life and what I want to teach my own children and what I want to teach others. Okay. Well, it's understandable to see why you would get involved. I mean, a lot of good things going on there. So help us to understand how this works. So what what does a typical day look like for a Girls on the Run program? So, Jill, it is a 10-week program that is offered twice a week. We, off, we have a fall season and we have a spring season. So during the 10 weeks, our GOTR trained coaches are meeting with girls after school. Um, usually the teams are about 15 girls in size and have about two coaches per team. They're meeting after school and they are talking about these positive life lessons during these practices. So they will learn about, first of all, what does it mean to love yourself? And then... Very critical piece. So critical because you can't do anything else before you really love yourself and who you are. Right. Well, and then at the beginning of the show, we were talking about 25% of kids between the ages of 13 and 18 diagnosed with anxiety disorders. You know, if you try and get them to understand how important it is to love themselves, then perhaps that will decrease that... uh, that percentage. Absolutely. And so you learn to love themselves, then they they learn about what does it mean to love and support others. And so that's the whole team aspect part of it. And we talk about bullying and peer pressure and body image and all of these really important topics that these young girls are dealing with every day. And they need, the coaches help facilitate these discussions with the girls. And then the third uh, part of the program goes into what does it mean to be a part of your community mm-hmm. at large. And we do a whole community impact project where the girls learn what it means to do something for other people nice. and feel good about it. Yeah. So, Jill, this is what Girls on the Run is about. But while they are learning these really important lessons, they're training for a 5K. So they are learning about setting a goal. They learn about the hard work and endurance that it takes to put into reaching that goal. Mm -hmm. 
And so at the end of the 10 weeks, all of our Girls on the Run teams gather together at Miller Park, and they run, walk, or skip across the finish line of a celebratory 5K, and they cross that finish line with a running buddy. And that running buddy is usually a family member or family friend that the girl knows. She's asked them to be their running buddy, and they are there to support her and her goal. So maybe if they ask their mother, their mother can go along with, uh, you know, be a part of what you're teaching them and training them in, and they could also benefit, yes? Oh, absolutely. This has been the whole running buddy side of things is something I didn't realize until I got involved with the program. And you wouldn't believe the number of adults that come to me after the 5K and they say, thank you. Not only has this program helped my daughter or my niece, but it has helped me. Yeah. Because I never thought about myself as being an athlete. I never considered running or walking a 5K. But because my daughter asked me, I'm getting involved I'm getting happier and healthier, and they are just as proud of themselves crossing that finish line as they are of their daughter oh, or niece. Oh, sure. And it's wonderful because then a mother and daughter, if that's the case, uh, the example, um, they can work together on that goal, you know, helping to build each other up and to encourage each other. And I just think that that's, that's a great thing. So, so third through fifth grade program and a sixth through eighth. So this does not get into high school. It does not. Okay. Although we do have a junior coaching program, So we have had girls that have been in the program, and then they get involved as a junior coach, so they're coming back as mentors for these little girls. Okay. And then in addition to the the third through fifth and the sixth through eighth grade programs, you offer something for kids and parents to consider. Uh, a fun and active, inspiring option when school's not in session, right? You have a camp over the summer? Um, We have, our council in uh, southeastern Wisconsin has not yet gotten into the camp, but we, that is something our national organization is starting to offer and pilot across the country, and I see that coming here to southeastern Wisconsin soon. Okay, so that's on the horizon. Very good. Um, It sounds like you're really transforming these girls in all the different things that you're doing. Do you have any personal stories that you want to share? Oh, do I have personal stories, (laughs) Jill? I I have, um, we currently have a Girls on the Run ambassador this year. This is our first year piloting this program, and uh, her name is Lyric. And Lyric. Oh, how pretty is that? Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Yes. And so. Does she sing as well? She actually does sing, and (laughs) she told me she writes songs, so I haven't heard one yet, but I. How perfect. Can you imagine naming your child Lyric, and then they have no musical ability at all? Right. Well, that would be me, so, (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I digress. Okay, go ahead. So Lyric um, started with our program in third grade and um, went all the way through up until fifth grade and just had really had a lot of trauma in her own life. She, though, has come out of that trauma um, a much more resilient young lady, and she credits Girls on the Run to making a difference in her life. 
Um, and f- a, a specific example is she and I were sitting down talking and she talked about how she has a lot of anger issues from the different trauma, trauma that had she's experienced. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a lesson in Girls on the Run in, ho- in how to manage your emotions. Okay. And so she learned about taking, stopping and taking a deep breath and learned some of these tools in Girls on the Run that have helped her manage her anger so that she is a better person, a healthier person. And so Lyric today is she is now in sixth grade and uh, is one of our most amazing Girls on the Run ambassadors. She goes to her food pantry and talks to the people that run that about how they should be getting their daughters involved with Girls on the Run and what a difference it's made in her life. She will be babysitting her younger nieces and nephews, uh, and she tells me how she gets them up off the couch after, well, because they're playing computer games or, you know, different games, oh, sure. too, video mm-hmm. games too much. Mm-hmm. And she talks to them about Girls on the Run lessons, like, hey, guys, we need to get up and, like, take a run around the block because it's not good to sit here all day staring at a screen. Yeah. You know, lessons like that. So Lyric is one of our most amazing ambassadors, so resilient. She's still with us. She's going to be speaking at our biggest fundraiser gala. She did it last year. She was amazing, speaking to over 350 adults in the room, getting up and telling her story. So helps build confidence. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Wow. Um, Well, I'm sure you do that for many more more young girls, uh, which is wonderful. And and maybe we'll get to hear about some other stories in the second segment. But um, Girls on the Run is a trusted resource, not only for the girls they serve, but also for the parents in the community. So stay tuned to learn more about how and why Girls on the Run is a standout among physical activity-based youth development programs. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and Tina Jones is here today joining me in the studio from Girls on the Run. So how and why is Girls on the Run, or G-O-T-R, uh, a standout among physical activity-based youth development programs. Yes, and it's a mouthful, It isn't is a it? mouthful, it, it is. is, yeah. But um, we really have been recognized, Jill, because we have a unique, intentional, research-based curriculum. So we've got this curriculum, that's intentional, and then what we do is we train all of our coaches on this curriculum and how it should be taught. So it's not that these girls are just going to a practice and a coach comes in and doesn't know anything about the program, is trying to get them, you know, it's not, as we've talked about earlier, it's not just a running program. It's Mm -hmm. so much more. And so we train these coaches on how to teach the curriculum, we talk, teach them so much more about um, 
issues that girls are dealing with and how to deal with those issues issues while they are teaching this curriculum. Are most of the coaches female? So about 99% of our coaches are female. We do have male coaches. Our male coaches oftentimes might be a dad that's getting involved, um, you know, somehow related to a girl that's in the program. Plus, it's great for the dads to understand what the girls could be going through, especially if they didn't grow up with sisters, right? Absolutely. You know, they they learn about these different things that, that... girls in particular have to uh, have to deal with. Absolutely. No, and we, we love it when men get involved, and, and uh, we have, um, we're continuing to, to make sure men are, feel welcome to Girls on the Run. Um, but the other piece about this program, Jill, is that uh, we knew the program was working, but we needed to show others through research that, in fact, it was working and is working in developing girls' confidence and so on. And so three years ago, there was a longitudinal study done by our national office that really went into the, the numbers and did the testing and wanted to see where girls were at the beginning of the program, which led to what, where they were at at the end of the program. And um, like those statistics talk, you talked about, yeah, they yeah. were coming out um, more confident. They are coming out understanding how physical activity makes them feel better. And they were continuing those healthy habits after the program is over. And they're also coming out understanding how that be- being on their screens all day isn't necessarily the healthiest way to live your life. And we talk about that. And so these are some of the things that we're teaching in our program. And because we have an intentional curriculum, we are training our coaches on the curriculum and we're studying the results. These are what sets our program apart from other programs like ours. Okay. Well, obviously coaches are key. You know, so you want to make sure that uh, maybe there's somebody listening that is interested in becoming a coach. You never know. Um, And this is a national organization, um, so that's important to understand that. And Girls on the Run is all over Wisconsin. Um, How is is Girls on the Run helping address the health and wellness challenges specific to Wisconsin? Yeah, you know, some of the new statistics that had come out talking about obesity in Wisconsin – and family wellness, these are all pressing issues right here in Wisconsin, in southeastern Wisconsin. And we feel that our program is part of the solution to address these programs or problems, excuse me. So, um, you know, childhood obesity, adult, adult obesity, these kids are learning again. What does it mean to eat healthy? What does it mean to get your body moving and staying physically active? We're teaching these girls at such a young age to ingrain these lessons early on that we hope they take these and continue it off on into their adult life. Yeah, well, you had talked about how you had it growing up in your life and how important it was to you. You had that support system. You had that education. You knew how important not only the physical activity was, but the 
the uh, support, the mentorship all along the way. And so it's critical then, uh, as you said, that these girls are learning that. I, that was impressive that you guys on that longitudinal study you talked about that they discovered over 1.5 million girls nationwide are being impacted. You know, that's that's wonderful. Those statistics are fantastic. Um, 97% of girls learning critical life lessons, uh, resolving conflict, helping others, you know, all that's important. Um, you know, we live in a state where uh, half of the year is uh, is cold or not under the best conditions to get outside and get moving. So, uh, I think it's important, like you said, here in Wisconsin, we're addressing some issues that maybe California or Florida or some other states that are um, uh, nicer weather more often throughout the course of the year. So it's important to understand that there are still some things that these girls can do to get out and get active uh, right here in Wisconsin, even on cold days like today, right? Well, and Jill, we, we actually really um, promote the kids and the coaches taking the kids outdoors during the practice so even if oh, it's so you're not always running in a gym oh absolutely we're going to be outdoors if we can oh okay. and so I just love it because these girls you know so often these kids the cold doesn't bother them like maybe it might bother someone like me but you know it as a young kid they're they're usually often able to get out there and you get running and moving your body and you don't even think cold about the cold. Become an issue. That's great. That's wonderful, actually. You know, yeah, the, the coaches might be. Yeah, the coaches, <laughs> right. They're like, well, we will just run inside the gym today, I think. But yeah, getting outside, there's so much. I think people that don't live in our state think, oh my gosh, seriously, you're outside in 20 degree weather. But yeah, you're right. If you dress up appropriately and getting outside, it's just different than right. it is when you're running inside a gym. But um, tell us about your impact in the community. You talked a little bit about it in the first segment. You know, we're a community outreach radio show. We like to talk about how people can get involved, which we'll get to in a minute. But what do you teach your girls about that? So we love it that we have this community impact pro pro project um, built right into the curriculum. And so the girls learn about being a part of the community. They pick their own project that they want to do. So the coaches help facilitate that. But we they come up with some really creative ideas, anything from writing cards that will go to a senior center to try to brighten somebody's day, to cleaning up the schoolyard, to doing projects for the Humane Society, to doing bake sales to help a child in need that's in their school going through medical pro problems. So they they do these community impact projects themselves and learn about how it makes them feel better to help in the community and right. help others. Well, that's wonderful. That's that's wonderful. That's a that's a it's wonderful that you incorporate that piece into the whole uh, all the things that you're doing. So that's that's great. Um, okay, so if we have some listeners that really like what uh, what they're hearing and they want to get involved somehow with Girls on the Run, how can they help? So first I just want to say that I want to mention this program is for every girl, and we want any girl that wants to participate in the program to be able to participate in the program. So we have a fee for the program, but we also have a sliding scale based on family income. Okay. So their family, you can't pay for it. We will figure out a way to get you, your daughter, your girl into the program. And so that leads me to then, Jill, 
we do lots of fundraising for Girls on the Run. And anything from grant writing to special events like our sneaker soiree gala that's usually in February to our running buddy appeals and end-of-the-year appeals where we're trying to raise money to help support these girls and get them into the program. So you can get involved by not only um, getting involved with events and donating, but also volunteers. You mentioned coaches. That's a great way to get involved. We have community coaches. We have coaches coming right in at the schools. The teachers get involved in coaching. And then, of course, just signing signing your daughter up for the program is a way to get involved. So um, everything from, again, the coaching to uh, helping out at our 5K events. We have over 150 volunteers at our 5K events at Miller Park. Wow, wow. And so we need cheer groups. We want to make a lot of noise for these girls to have them out there having a great time to individuals helping at registration and setting out food and the water stop to so much more. Okay. Well, a lot of things that people can do to help. Um, again, I've said so many times before that we don't have enough time to go into everything about each organization, but at least we're planting a seed so people can go and check it out further. Contact information quickly. Where would people go to learn more about Girls on the Run? If you have any questions, we have everything on our website at www.girlsontherunsoutheasternwi.org. Um, please feel free to call. We have a general number, 414-367-8171. Okay, wonderful. Well, Tina, thank you for being here today. Uh, I'd like to, to thank my guests, uh, from, my guests from the first segment, Brooke Talbot, Executive Director of RedGen, and you, Tina Jones, Executive Director of Girls on the Run. Thank you both for the work you do to help our younger generation become the best they can be. Thank you. If you'd like further information about who we talked to today, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 691-3200. There are a number of different ways you can access our outreach show. You can, of course, listen live on News Talk Radio, WISN, AM 1130, on Sunday mornings at 10. You can tune in via the iHeartRadio app or just go to iHeartRadio.com. If you miss a broadcast on Sunday, you can go to our website at ellenbecker.com to see past shows, or you can now listen on demand on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. Join us next Sunday morning to learn more about some great people and nonprofit organizations that are doing great things in our community. And if the organization or the people or the stories that they share resonate with you, reach out to them and see how you might be able to get involved. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a wonderful Sunday.